Hi, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a production of the Lanting State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. I'm Graham Couch from the Lanting State Journal, here alongside my colleague from the Detroit Free Press, Chris Solari. And it is good to be back. We've been gone for a little bit. Um, we are going to talk Michigan State football today. MSU football begins fall camp on Thursday morning. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. Um, and uh, we're going to get into the storylines that we are, are looking at, the positions, and and all that good stuff. Chris, how you doing, man? There's storylines for this team. Storylines. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's status quo at all, right? Not since uh, since April, all the bombshells in April and everything that transpired since. Yeah, no. It uh, and, and I think you know what, what makes this team interesting is that there are just more unknowns. Then we've said that plenty of years, but I'm trying to think of a year that that I really didn't know how certain things were going to fold at most positions, and 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 we sort of have that this year. There, you know, there are positions where you you have a sense of who will be doing what, but it's it's not um, when you start with uncertainty at quarterback a little bit, and you have as many running backs in the room as they have, and the top receiver leaves for another school late in the spring and you wind up with you know obviously there's guys like Trey Mosley are going to be in the mix but you really wonder about who among the young guys will emerge there there are just there are just a number of questions and I think that's both good and bad for this Michigan State team because there's as much reason for hope as there is for pessimism yeah and I mean it's very reminiscent to me to 2021 I wrote about that coming out of media day and, you know, a lot of the players talked about that is, you know, nobody had any outside expectations uh, coming out of Tucker's first year in the pandemic when they won two games. And they went into that Northwestern game not knowing, at least publicly or revealing who the quarterback would be, uh, had brought in a couple transfers at running back. Uh, with Harold Joyner and some Walker guy from Wake Forest. And uh, you didn't know how that position would shake out with Elijah Collins and all that. And uh, Kenneth Walker kind of cemented that. Peyton Thorne cemented his job at that point. And uh, they kind of took flight. You know, you had Jane Reed, you had uh, Trey Mosley, and you had Jalen Naylor. So you had a lot of different types of receivers. I think they've got that. The, the thing that I think makes this team – different than that team is how much of the expected depth and potential starters are young. Um, I do think that changes some things because you're not just bringing in transfers to, to kind of fill the rooms and fill the positions and fill the backup spots. Uh, You've got depth there. I mean, it's meant for competition with those young guys. So you got young offensive linemen that need to be, in the mix you got young defensive backs that need to be in the mix so there's it's going to be a fascinating season um one that they need to show growth uh as probably maybe more so than just straight wins and losses let's go through the the different positions and and, and you wrote about this today um uh about the uh you know just kind of going through the positions the depth chart and everything like that and the questions we have and and we'll start where everybody's heads always starts at quarterback. Which Long snapper. Is, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I think Mel Tucker said it best at the <laughs> uh, at media day. He goes, "You don't think about long snapper till you don't have one." <laughs> right. That was, 
that was a problem for for a bit last year. Um, but it, it quarterback, it, it's it's very clearly an open competition. More so now that the guy who I think was in the lead of the competition at the end of the spring is is no longer around. The other guy who was I think really in the mix at the end of the spring, more so than Kaden Hauser, was was Noah Kim. So. Um, and then there's Sam Levitt, who's who's the true freshman who they promise in recruiting he could compete. I don't think there's, I mean, any way he's the guy. I wouldn't say any way, but I mean, well, I'd, but, say, yeah, I'd say probably ninety eight to ninety nine percent of surety. Yeah, and 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 so start what, of the season. Yeah, and what, what what what's what's interesting too is like Mel Tucker said the key to winning that job is being the guy basically who knows when to throw the ball away and live for another down and makes doesn't make mistakes, doesn't cost them games. And it's very hard to imagine a true freshman fitting that criteria um, it, it better than guys who've been around. That said, you know, if the other guys were were careless or something. But it, it, this will be interesting. I, my sense between Noah Kim and, and Kaiten Hauser is, and obviously we, we have not seen August yet, and August hasn't unfolded, but – there's a much better chance that it's Noah Kim than Hauser based on the idea that I think it's, and I'm not saying starting the whole season that, that it could play out throughout the year, but starting against central Michigan, because of the way they've talked about Kim, because they're comfortable, how comfortable they are with him. And because if two guys are at all equal, he probably deserves the chance first. And, you know, he's the, the guy who's been, the guy's been waiting his turn and, they're talking up, and I think it's easier to bench the veteran for the for the young guy than to put the young guy in, have things go wrong, and then and then have to go another route. I, I half agree with that. the The part about being a, the better to bench the veteran, I think that's that's a, a good thing. But I also think that this is the first chance that Mel Tucker has had to bring in his one of his recruits and put them in at the quarterback spot. So if Caden Hauser, if all things are equal. Do you go with the recruit from the previous regime still in year four, or do you go with the guy that you brought in that you've trumped up uh, throughout the recruiting process through all the recruiting channels that they have that spread the propaganda? If you're a coaching staff that brought in a four-star kid and it's your first four-star quarterback recruit and you've pushed and promoted him throughout all the recruiting world uh, to get him into that four-star status. Uh, you remember he was a, a Hauser was a Boise state commitment who blew up in the summer and became a Michigan state commit and went to the elite 11 and all those things. Um, you know, you want to try and get that guy, the job as quickly as possible and, and turn the page from the previous coaching staff, um, especially in year four right now. But I, I think in, in August, it's going to play itself into, uh, uh, you know, at least for the first few games, who it's going to be. Because I do think that, you know, it, I think with the Peyton Thorne situation, all you had to do was look down the road uh, to see what happened with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy last year. Thorne didn't want to be that guy that got squeezed out for the four-star recruit. So, you know, it, it could be one of those things that it's easier to supplant Noah Kim uh, with the with Hauser, uh, like you said, if, if Kim gets a job. I, I'm also curious uh, when camp opens to look at the roster and see how much weight, if any, Noah Kim has put on, because I do think that is that's his how thin he is 
is one of those things that it, it, it first glance is a lot when you've got big 10 defenses coming at you not third stringers not akron not western michigan you're talking about you know if, if noah kim's the starter he's got to be able to absorb that front line of the teams like Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Um, I, you know, he needs to put on weight. It'll be interesting to see what his numbers are. Yeah, and, and I do think there's a good chance they will get the other guy some time. Um, and, and whoever it is is going to have to play well. And um, and you're right, it does play out on the field, and everybody kind of knows it. You know, I I think back to, you know, going way back to like a, a Ryan Van Dyke, Jeff Smoker situation, you know, and, and – in 2000 and you know it, it it could have been van dyke's turn but it wasn't you know and they they didn't have a great receiver then that year either like a game breaker and so that, that what'll be interesting too is the things around that quarterback and how that impacts their ability to perform i mean if well, you've got if that offensive line is good that's gonna and you're able to run the football a lot of guys are gonna look okay and I think that's one of the one of the things that was unfair to Peyton Thorne last year is there were a lot of things that weren't good around him. And I'm not I'm not sure any quarterback or most college quarterbacks would have looked that good dealing with what they were dealing with. Yeah, and he took that big hit in the Western Michigan game that really kind of set the tone for the year. And then he took another big hit the next week against Akron that really precipitated Noah Kim getting some extended look uh, on the next drive what you have to think about is is Noah Kim, if he's going to be the quarterback, able to absorb the kind of hits that Peyton Thorne did and stay and remain in the game. So there's going to be opportunities uh, for Hauser, I think, beyond just simply we want to rotate quarterbacks. I mean, you know, Kim's got to show that he can handle the, the physicality uh, of being the starter. And that offensive line, to me, you know, it, it goes back to the old Judd Heathcote saying, well, everyone last year, that's the plus, and then the downside is everyone's back from last year. Um, you know, they lose Horst, they lose Carrick. Um, Horst was, I mean, basically Horst, you know, eight games and done, you know, in both of his seasons at MSU. So they were able to get some left tackle experience for Brandon Baldwin, and they were able to get uh, some experience for Geno Vandemark when Carrick got hurt uh, at right guard. Uh, so they've got those guys back, but it's the young guys, you know, again, when we look at this depth chart that make this, um, you know, the question, it makes the questions harder to answer, I think, because there are so many young guys that are red shirt freshmen and true freshmen and sophomores in this program, third year guys that that can take that next step that have the physical build and frame on the offensive line to become solid blockers. Uh, you know, Blackstock, I think, you know, he could push Baldwin and Spencer Brown for one of those starting jobs at the tackle. And he's a big, big dude. So, I mean, and you know, you've got the young guys like that. They've really talked up Stanton Ramel and, and Cole Dellinger, but you, you rarely see true freshman crack a rotation, but you know, the Vandemarks, the Wigginton's, the Brocious, Big Dooley's, um, all those guys, Ethan Boyd, have been knocking on the door uh, last year. And, you know, they were young and they got some experience on special teams. It'll be interesting to see if they can find five or, you know, what consistent five they've gotten and then what depth pieces they feel they can intersperse because you got to get that run game going. 
when when defenses can pin their ears back and just come at you because you're not able to get anything and generate anything on the ground, um, that makes everything challenging. Let's just stay on the offensive line for a second. I mean, this is, I, I think now that they have healthy bodies and they have some experience, this is really when you, when it, it, it goes on the coaching staff to develop. And they, that group needs to be like it's when you don't have enough guys and you don't have enough experience. There's only so much that can be done. That's a that's a tough position, and so much of the game is is one up there. But this this is a uh, a little bit of a tell year for what they're able to do with it, it. You know, obviously they would like to get some higher level recruits. They would like to at some point have a Jack Conklin on the left side for three years that just you know, protects the quarterback's blind side and you can just count on and 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 you'd like to have some guys really develop and, and or 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 land some guys who really change what you are and uh, up front. But if you've got an experienced group and you've got good depth, you ought to be able to develop and find uh, as you mentioned, a unit that, that that works together and 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 can get the job done up there. I, I think so much of this year will be determined, and we say that a lot of years, but especially a year with a new quarterback, especially a year where you may not have the game breaker at receiver. You might. There might be a guy there um, where you're going to be, you know, I think they've got good tight ends. Um, they've got good backs. And so much of whether this season is going to be a grind or there are going to be some real days where it looks, looks you know, like it's humming on offense are going to depend on, on what goes on up front. Let's go to running back. This kind of ties into this a little bit. This is a, a, a fascinating position to me, Chris. Just because, you know, Jalen Berger returns, Nathan Carter's a guy there's a lot of buzz about, and there's always going to be that with the new transfer running back. Although, you know, you talk to people, I think they are high on him. They've got a number of other guys, uh, Jared Mangum, Jordan Simmons still around, Davion Brim, the the, the spring uh, star, early star from a couple of years ago. There, there are guys there. Um, what do you think we're going to wind up seeing and obviously one of these guys may emerge do you think this though is going to be it's hard to play more than two a, a really crowded situation I do think though that they, they've got such different in, for the most part there's some different body types particularly Mangum um, who has uh, you know of those guys he's got power five experience from Colorado but has played at South Florida and Carter coming in from UConn I mean you know he got hurt in the Michigan game and didn't play the rest of last year so again like Noah Kim um, you know, injury situations potentially waiting to happen. Although it, by all accounts, it looks like he is really developed in the weight room and it, by all, by all the videos and everything that they've shown that dude is strong, you know, Kenneth Walker, like strong, whether he has the vision field and cutback ability, that's yet to be seen. Uh, because remember, I mean, even with that veteran line that, that, that Walker ran behind that had so many fifth and sixth year guys and guys that played a lot of snaps, the holes weren't big. Um, and they struggled. They struggled in games, particularly I think the game in Indiana comes to mind where they really struggled to to generate some things. But and a lot of that was Walker, you know, self-created yards after contact. Um, you know, who among these guys can do that? Berger struggled. I mean, Berger until the you know three of the final four games, Berger was not just stuck in neutral, but he was going in reverse. And um, you know they 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 didn't really do a good job with I think uh, identifying Broussard last year, who opted for the NFL draft and went on draft. 
And I'm not even sure if he latched on with the team, but um, you know, that bringing in a guy in Nathan Carter who was an undergrad, this isn't in, in bringing in a veteran like Mangum kind of makes you question what they saw in Jalen Berger and what they felt his future is. But there's going to be competition for that job without a doubt. Um, you know, I, I am curious to see of those three, you know, Carter brings more of that Walker style. Mangum is more of a, a bruiser and a big body and burger. You know, which of those guys can catch the ball out of the backfield? Because let's face it, a quarter new quarterback is going to need a running back to to help in the passing game. Uh you know, both from a blocking standpoint and blitz pickup and from getting out and catching some balls to to loosen a defense, to to help generate some of that run game. So things that they, they struggled with last year. I think what happens when they identify these guys is in the transfer portal, there isn't a ton of time to make these decisions, right? And, you know, a guy like Berger was a big-time recruit, a starter for a while. He flashed. And so you take a chance, you know, and I, I think with Carter, he got hurt last year and was really productive before it. So there's, it wasn't, it was different than what happened a little bit with Berger. I mean, I, I really think they're hoping one of these guys emerges and they're able to, to ride somebody. Um, you've got to think just based on the numbers, somebody there is going to be a good back, right? It would be really bad luck with all the guys they have if they don't have somebody there. <laughs> They need to start taking a different approach if they don't have a, a, a decent a, a decent back. Receiver, it's really fascinating to me because I think this is a position, Chris, where the backups are more interesting and in some ways more important than the starters. And I I'll, I mean that like this. We kind of know what Trey Mosley is. Now, we'll see if he has a, a breakout to, to a degree we haven't seen from him. Good receiver, no question. Probably a good number two in many offenses around the country. Montori Foster, a guy who is, you know, battled injuries, who this seems to be his turn. Christian Fitzpatrick, a former transfer who is, you know, I mean, these are all, I think, good players. I don't know what the ceiling is on any of those guys, though. And when you start to look at the reserves, some of the really young guys that Terrell Henry, Antonio Gates, and obviously, Elante Brown, the transfer from um, Nebraska. And you start to say, okay, that's where they may have a guy that emerges that we don't see. And that I, I think that position, especially getting somebody out of that reserve group to pop up into the starter group and push one of those other guys out is probably important to this offense really being a game-breaking offense. You agree? Yeah, and I think. I think you can't discount the the two freshmen coming in and Isaiah Johnson and Jalen Smith. I mean, those two guys have the potential as well. Receivers, one of those positions where freshmen can come in and make a big impact immediately if they got some some juice, whether it be downfield speed or wiggle or catching ability or ability to get up. Um, you know, you, you've seen that over many years where, where a freshman can come in and make an impact, but Gates is the guy that I think everybody is curious about the four-star legacy, right? I mean, that's, that's, you know, you don't carry the name Antonio Gates and, you know, put on the football pads and not be on the basketball court and not have Michigan state fans tantalized, you know, I mean, it's a, 
Gates, essentially, you know, you wrote about the what ifs in uh, uh, the other day. And Antonio Gates Sr. at Michigan State is one of those great what ifs. You know, yeah. what if he yeah. would have stuck with with football? What if he would have played both sports? Would he have ascended to the, the level that he did? Uh, in the NFL when he when he gave up basketball uh, after playing at Kent State. So I, I think Antonio Gage Jr., you know, from his film in high school, from some of the things we saw in the spring, he's got the ability to create separation. He's got the body type at 6'2", um, you know, and, and it's going to be fascinating. But I do I agree. I mean, the younger guys have the upside with Glover and uh, Terrell Henry and, and those two freshmen that I mentioned. but you know, guys like Fitzpatrick, um, Mosley, Foster, um, they've been around a little bit. Um, you know, you need to replace maybe the, one of the best returners in school history in Jaden Reed, the punt game. And, you know, that might be a spot where Alante Brown can help. Uh, Tyrell Henry can help. So there's a lot more than I think just simply what they're going to do in the passing game. But that is the most important thing because it's tough to break in new receivers and a new quarterback, but, and this is the but, sometimes you're able to have that chemistry that was already established with guys who were on the, the second team last year. And they build a rapport, and they started getting that chemistry built, and it carries over when when the guys in front of them move out of the depth chart and they move up. And and you can see some things that, that really, in, in terms of timing, in terms of knowing where guys are, I mean – I, you know, we can joke all we want about Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed having played together in high school, but their time as a scout, uh, when Reed had to sit out after his transfer from Western, Thorne was a true freshman, was invaluable. And you can see that with Noah Kim and some of these young receivers. You know, it's a tough position sometimes for true freshmen uh, because there, is, there are a lot of complexities to it and, and a lot of details. And you see that with a guy like Antonio Gates Jr., who is a dominant high school player. And then really struggles uh, early out of out of the gate at, at the next level, and you just wonder when it clicks, you know. And I think the coaching staff has seen some flashes, but is sort of waiting, waiting for that themselves because they're careful. You, you can tell when a coaching staff is careful not to hype a guy. Yes, and, and they are very careful, Antonio Gates, because I don't think they know yet. Um, and and, so and sometimes, is, sometimes it's not. It's it's because they don't know. Sometimes it's because they don't want to give a guy too big of a head. Um, sometimes it's just that they you know they feel like and i think particularly with eight carrying that name you know expectations are so great yeah the expectations. so there's a lot of reasons why they wouldn't hype them you know all right let's go to tight end uh big year from elite car Uh, they added about 30 guys at tight end i believe yeah (laughs) it's a lot um and malik Carr was a guy who obviously had a great uh red shirt freshman year or, or tantalizing, or I, I, he flashed. It, or whatever it, it, it I think I described it as the third year of Malik Carr potentially being a breakout star. Right, right. And then there were you know, there were moments last year, and he was beat up, and and a lot of things yeah. worked against him. I think he's very aware uh, that you know. I, I remember talking to him in the spring about what he thought was most important this year. He just said, "Staying healthy." Yep, and that tells you when a guy says that it, it it says that he really battled it last year, and he just knows how that affects his ability to perform. And and I think just in terms of you know he's a guy who's got NFL ability, and it's just a matter of staying healthy and seeing it consistently. And on a team where 
the game breaker may not be at receiver that's ready to go. It, tight end could be a, a, a really an, an important position. And um, there are a number of other guys uh, you wrote about today as well. Um, you know, some, some transfers and Jalen Franklin and uh, Tanel uh, Hopper. Um, you know, uh, Adamola, uh, how do we pronounce his last name? Is it Fele? Fele? Uh, Fele? Fele? From Norfolk State. That, that's 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 Pancake Honcho's cousin. By okay. The way. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, there are a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes, and we'll see. They they like when they have a couple. Evan Morris. Like don't forget Evan Morris if you're talking over to Nails Elsie. That's true. He's yeah, absolutely. Evan Morris is there, still there. Some of these guys remind me of like 2017 D'Antonio when I see their names still. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I do think. Um, you know, and, and, and they have um, a couple interesting freshmen, one especially a four-star recruit. But the, the problem is that is a really complex position. I, I've heard from a lot of people that tight end in an offense like Michigan State next to quarterback is the most difficult position to learn because it's the pa- it's the pass and run concepts both. And and plus, you know, all the blocking st- It's just it's a lot. And um, where have you gone, Bob Organ? <laughs> so I, I, I'm always leery of the idea that a true freshman will really contribute there. I've seen it where a guy winds up being a big pass catcher and they use them in certain packages and things like that. But it's I'm always a little leery of, of the idea of a, of, a, of a freshman tight end as physical and as uh, thoughtful and, and, and complex as that position is. But um, important position. And it's a it's a. I think it begins with Malik Carr, right? So yeah, I mean, we talk about Antonio Gates Sr. I mean, it, Malik Carr hanging up his basketball shoes, I think, was probably the best decision for a lot of reasons. One, the health factor, but most importantly, burying his head in the playbook and keeping his uh, athletic uh, gifts and and talents working in one direction rather than two. I, I think having a full spring and not being on the basketball court was was big for him. Um, he's you know, but that's another guy you got to be able to pick up the blocking concepts. I mean, you got to be able to to knock guys down. It doesn't matter how often they're going to flank you out and use you. Um, you know, to to in spread formations, you got to be able to put hat on hat and and sometimes knock guys back that are bigger than you, or sometimes chip a linebacker and and keep them away from the quarterback, especially you know, knowing where the line is in terms of having struggles last year. So I I think, you know, I think that's kind of why you see some of the veterans like Franklin and Hopper being brought in Uh, the ability to, to to guys that understand, you know, some guys are pass or catch first. Some guys are block first at that position. Um, You know, I think, I mean, Falea, if you look at his body type, he seems like a block first kind of guy. At six seven and however many pounds to two sixty plus, um, so you need those kind of guys. You need that kind of depth. Um, I, I really think though that this is Malik Carr's year. He's got to break out. Um, you know, at some point, especially for a young quarterback. I mean, the tight end's supposed to be the security blanket. Got to be heavily involved, whether it be Kim or or Hauser. And I think you saw some of that if you you kind of go back and watch the open practice a little bit. You saw those younger guys, less experienced quarterbacks, using the tight ends a little bit more, and that's that's got to be 
the path forward for them because that helps everybody, including the quarterbacks. It's an important position, I think, as much as much as ever this year, given um, everything that's going on around them. Uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. This is a year where, you know, at some point the defense has to turn a corner and be part of the reason that they win games becomes a strength in certain places has games where you go, wow, that defense is really good. And I'm not saying that they need to be peaked Antonio um, Michigan state defense yet, but for Mel Tucker's entire career at this point, And a lot of this is personnel based. They have just sort of, they've done enough to hang on there. It's been bend, but don't break. Even when they've been decent, there've been very few games where you went, wow, the defense really, really kept them in this one. And I think this is sort of a year where that needs to start to happen occasionally. And, you know, and obviously they may not have the the three to four real difference makers yet that Mel Tucker says you need on both sides of the ball to really contend at the highest level. But sort of the depth, I think some of the there, there's some promising um, there's some promise up front defensively. There are some guys with a lot of experience. It, it just sort of needs to start to happen. And let's start on the edge, uh, on, on the defensive line. Um, I, I'm i curious. There, there are a lot of guys here that I think could uh, get in the mix, uh, including Job, the, the top freshman. Bye, Job. That they've um, – yeah, I mean, this this is a – that was a big get. Uh, Chris Bogle is is – you know, you know announcers, by the way, are just salivating to to you use by Jove. It's by Job. Oh yeah, no, that's going to be yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and, and so that, anyway, that's going to be the new Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed. Do the Spartans have an edge guy? And because that's what they always talk about—an edge guy, a, a guy that will cause problems for defenses. Do they have one ready to go this year? Do you think? I mean, they're hoping it's Tunisia Adelaia, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think between him and Chris Bogle, um, you know, the Florida transfer who got hurt four games into last year, he played maybe about three-plus games before he got hurt. I mean, they lost Jeff Petrosky to the portal, but Petrosky was a loss in, in the Washington game for the rest of the season. Um, and But he also was an undersized guy. You are seeing more size. Um, you know, I thought Zion Young, before he got suspended, had some flashes last year and elevated himself into a starter. Uh, and then the tunnel situation happened. Uh, they brought in Ken Talley. I think he's another guy that the Penn State transfer who was ineligible after leaving Penn State during preseason camp and transferring to Michigan State. Welcome to college football free agency, by the way. Um, but he's a guy that I think I'm curious. I, I, I'm interested to see him. Because, you know, it's a four-star guy that, I mean, four- and five-star guys are needed. If there any, there's any position that you need those four- and five-star guys at, it is at rush end because they're a commodity and they're difficult to find. So guys like By Job and DePape and Jalen Thompson will be interesting to kind of watch their development and tally as well. But Adelaide is the guy who is a five-star dude from Texas A&M. He's got size. He's got quick twitch. Um, he's got bend off the corner, um, but we haven't seen him put it together. And he, he had some injury issues, I think, uh, with the Aggies down there. And then you've got the other guys that are just, you know, I don't want to say seat fillers, uh, but a, a guy like Avery Dunn played a role last year. I mean, one thing with 
all the injuries and attrition and suspensions that they had at defensive end, um, you know, they were able to get a lot of different guys some reps there out of necessity. Um, so when, you know, and I think another guy, Brandon Wright, kind of gets a little gotten as well. I mean, the converting back who can, who showed, I think, you know, to be a designated pass rusher, he's, he's had it. And he got caught up in the tunnel situation and missed the last four games too. So a lot deeper there than they were last year for a lot of different ways, but the health factor is critical and, and the development of the young guys, I think, because again, we talk about that at receiver, right? You know, you can get receivers on the field early. If a guy's a pass rusher, you can just say, pin your ears back. Don't worry about anything else. Get to the quarterback, see ball, get ball. Um, you can see guys like DePape and Job and, and Jalen Thompson making an immediate impact uh, as well and elevating themselves quickly above some of the veterans. Yeah, and that's a position where if you're a difference maker, and I know body type makes it hard to play early, but it's not a, it's not tight end. It's not the other side of the ball. If you can get after people, and there are things in the in the you know in the run concepts and all that that that. Um, you have to learn as well, but defensive end is a position you can play early if you are a are are, are a difference maker. Uh, you're right; they're hard to they're hard to find, and and some you know they really haven't had a guy that at the highest level scared people in a little while. And and I guess uh, the last one being Kenny Willickus. Um, and so they need to you know yeah, to- and, that, and I remember that's a guy that was brought in as a running back slash linebacker who didn't right. have a home. Right. That was that was development, you know, so, you know, guys can be developed into that. And and I think they hope that Brandon Wright can be one of those kind of guys. But you also need those guys that are just pure freakish athletes with size and strength and almost basketball players. And, And you've seen you see at that spot from the 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 Petroskis and Willikus is the the body types have have changed under Mel Tucker whether the production level has changed is something that remains to be seen because it doesn't matter you can throw all the body types in the world out there uh if a guy like Kenny Willikus or Jeff Petroski can get to the quarterback uh isn't that what you really need most absolutely you, you need production um let's go to the defensive interior line which may be their um best group um, it's, it's Simeon Barrow, um, you know, Derek Harmon, Jalen Sammy. Uh, there's a lot of guys, guys, you know, uh, Maverick Hansen, uh, is part of that mix been around a while. I mean, the, the thing about, I mean, I think they should have decent depth there and I think they think they have good depth there and, and depth of talent. Um, and if you can win at the you know, point of attack in the middle of the line, it just makes everything a lot easier. And, and it's, it's, if, if this position is what I think they think it is, I think that bodes well for this defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things that last really, you know, I wrote some about it, but because of everything else that was going on around it, it kind of got lost in the shuffle with Simeon Barrow uh, being banged up throughout much of the year. I mean, he played through some injuries and, you know, he was in and out at times of the lineup and and played and fought through some things. But, you know, we saw, uh, you know, when him and, and Jacob Slade were at their best two years ago um, and and even, you know, at times last year when they were both on the field and healthy, I mean, they could they plug the middle. 
I mean, everything was going around end, you know, more so than than up the gut, uh, because they, this this position has been stacked since D'Antonio was there. And, you know, Harmon looked really good, I think, at times. He, he's, it's hard to believe he's still only a, uh, in his third year and is a sophomore eligibility wise, uh, because it feels like he's been there forever. But and Hanson's a guy that, you know, they they've he's a plug and play guy. So, I mean, right there, you got three guys who have been established in the program. And then you bring in Jalen Sammy, who I think, you know, I mean, this is a guy that's all Pac-12 talent. Uh, you know, he's going to make an immediate impact there. And then you've got some depth bodies and veterans and Dre Butler who came in from Liberty and had experience at Auburn and Jarrett Jackson from Florida State. I mean, they're all 6'5", 6'6", 300 to 330 pounds. Um, and, you know, guys that have experience. Oh, by the way, we never talk about the highest recruit rated recruit from last year's class in Alex Van Summeren, who's also there waiting for his chance which is going to be an interesting situation when they keep bringing in all these veterans and transfers. I mean, you got to let that guy rip at some point and hopefully uh, kind of live up to his four-star billing. But but they're really, I think, set there. And you can move Adelaide inside on rush packages uh, to kind of speed rush packages. And he, he's got the size to do that. I think we've seen him, you know, even back to D'Antonio at times use, you know, like a, a, a guy like a Malik McDowell, use him inside, use him outside. Uh, Adelaide, I asked uh, Mel Tucker about that. He's going to be more outside and, you know, but I, I think there'll probably be a couple of situations and packages they'll, they'll design to, to maximize him for, for some ex to exploit some mismatches with, with bigger interior linemen. But that spot I think is, is always going to be good create create um you know some point of contact backup on the offensive lineman and collapse the pocket that's that's a group that can do that all right let's move to linebacker again this is you know cal Halliday back jacoby winman back most important at most important addition since the last game of last year is jacoby winman back Yes, Jacoby Women being back. And 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 them discovering last year, I think, you know, he played out of necessity on the edge. And what we discovered about Jacoby Winman is uh, when they're playing mid-major and lower competition, he is a really dangerous player on the edge. He is not a upper-tier Big Ten defensive end based on his size and who he is. He's a great athlete, but his – where where he is that player is at linebacker, and I think that made a difference once they figured that out because he had that great start against lesser competition. Then it was like, oh, I, I think they knew that. I think they needed to bring along some younger, yeah, defensive ends early in the season. Um, and I think it was the Wisconsin game where you saw him shift back the linebacker. He had a pick. Um, you know, he had he had, had that fantastic start against Western Michigan. Um and played really well against Akron, and then you saw the drop off uh, when he was playing on the edge uh, against Washington. I mean, the offensive linemen were pretty much folding him over and Im- eliminating him from the pass rush off the snap. Um, you know, shoving him out of the play. Um, so if you're able to use him as a linebacker, and and uh, much like Adelaide, I think this, the one thing that this defense is going to have is some adaptability of guys that can do different things. Like like uh, Winman and and Aaron Boulay are guys you can 
put up on the line um, in a pass rush situation as an extra, you know, whether it be an extra edge guy or to get some some more speed for to the passer uh, and more pursuit up front. Um, you know, I think it's going to be fascinating. But, you know, I, I think and, and I also, you know, they finished the year playing a lot of necessity again. And sometimes based on the competition, they played a lot more four, three, and you saw for the, maybe the first time in Mel Tucker's tenure and Scotty Hazelton's tenure to me, as I see that um, you also have, you have to, if you're spending an off season as a coaching staff, trying to figure things out, you look at what was successful and understand. Yes. You want to be, a four-two-five defense. Yes, you feel that that's the way to shut down all these passing offenses, but this is the Big Ten, and shutting down the run is imperative. And that they gave up, I think, eight straight hundred-yard rushers to Big Ten running backs, and you got to be able to shut them down, right? You got to be able, and they did it at Illinois, and they did it with a four-three, and then if you if you add Winman and Brule out flanking Halliday, I, I think you know you got to at least consider experimenting more with some some more four three and, and try and be a more traditional defense in that respect and then blend those nickel and dime packages rather than the other way around but again that's philosophy i mean that's where while tuck philosophy is different than mark daniels i i think that but you know how adaptable is this coaching staff i think in the linebacker spot in particular is going to be really interesting to watch it helps that you've got at the, the the top two guys and Halliday and and Winman the experience. You know what you have there. I think you're good. You know, and uh, Winman's healthy. Well, you got to have speed and space, right? I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing to play the four two five, right? Yeah. That's why they moved Darius Snow last year down from safety to get more speed and space. And obviously, we don't know what Darius's future is, and that it's an important August for him to kind of reestablish himself and see where he's at physically and how much, and if any, he can contribute this year. Uh, but, you know, you've got guys. I mean, I, I think Jordan Hall is going to be an interesting guy to watch as well. Cause I think in terms of immediate impact freshmen, they love this kid. I mean, this is a four-star kid with a, with a five-star football brain. I think that's going to be, that's a that's a really good combination if you study the history of Michigan State linebackers. If you've got a five star mind, uh, you know whether you're a three star or four star athlete, um, you can become elite there. And I think Jordan Hall is one of those guys that can be. And how they're going to use these guys? I mean, they still got Ma Naoteote as well. I mean, he played more goal line stuff last year, um, but you know that's a four star recruit. That you know, if you're, if you're telling and selling guys and recruits that you're a four star guy, you're going to come here play and and be imp- impacting and impactful. At some point, he's got to get some look too. A couple things. One, um, I, I do think very much that you know Hall is a fascinating prospect because early prospect because so much has been made of his abilities. He, you know, it, it's a tough position sometimes again to play young, but we've seen it done. And he seems like a guy who will be able to contribute and probably has a pretty high upside. The Darius Snow situation is, is I worry more and more, the more you sort of hear people talk about him that, I mean, just how serious that knee injury is and whether he'll ever um, 
be a guy who really gets to get anywhere near back to his level of play at Michigan yeah, State. I don't, I don't. That's the other thing is that, you know, how much of it was the knee, how much of it was the upper leg too. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know that. The, I mean, the, yeah. It sounded like it was, it was free. It was rough. I mean, it was, I mean, just, and the reason that how bad you knew it was, I remember talking to Chester Kimbrough uh, a week or two after, and Kimbrough is the one who gave him the friendly fire hit and he was, he was sickened. He, he, he still felt, horrible and guilty about about hitting his teammate and and causing that uh you know when guys do that you know that it, it's it's not just a normal bump and bruise at that point let's let's turn to the defensive backfield um i again this is yeah the uh start it let's start at corner and um you know they need they need a guy here who they can who they can really count on to uh you know, and they've had a little bit of that with Tucker. Get in there, closing speed, be a guy who's a you know makes plays, but also is solid. Um, and they've got some guys who've been around the program now. And, and, and so you know, you know, Chuck Brantley is obviously you know dipped in the transfer portal for a minute, came back. Uh, guy who's had some success, been around the program for a while. Um, Dylan Tatum, Chester Kimbrough, Angelo Gross. There are a lot of guys here. Are there two of them? Or three of them that they can count on. Well, I'm I'm really curious to to see the guys that they've brought in via transfer too. I mean, obviously Samar Melvin was there in the spring. Um, you know, a guy that played at Wisconsin, but uh, adding Terry Roberts, who played at Iowa last, um, he was at Miami in the spring. Hello, welcome to free agency in college football again. Um, you know, I think that to me is going to be interesting because I mean, it, you know, a lot of times those extra guys that are corner, like like we saw with Kimbrough and Justin White and and some of those other guys, they they slide into that nickelback role when they play the four two five. Uh, so there'll be snaps for for some of those guys. But Brantley's a guy that you know, again, when you're talking about wanting to see the the new heights and weights, you know, you want to see if Chuck Brantley put on some weight. I, I think that's a big thing. Tatum. You know, Tatum at the end of last year shifted from safety to the outside, which is probably more of his natural position. He gets full off season and and spring and summer to kind of build on that. Uh, but but bringing in Roberts and Melvin, um, you know, guys that have established Big Ten experience there, uh, I think is, are things that that they're pushing for for better play. Uh, I I, will, I don't think any job is safe or secure there and i i think a guy like marky lowry has been hurt so much um and some of the freshmen like caleb coley and who was hurt last year and, and was really a talk of camp early uh, until he got hurt um uh, those are there's guys there that i think they've got some talent especially in the younger guys uh that it, it's a it's a fascinating blend of guys who are veterans of the big 10 and young guys who i think can be really good to make, I mean, very good big 10 players uh, potentially. I, I don't know about elite, but be very strong. And, and it's what they need. They need, I mean, this is a, they had one interception from the secondary last year. They had two interceptions total. One was by Winman uh, and one in the secondary. Um, that's got to change. And that's got to change from the cornerback position. All right, safety. Look, uh, Jaden Mangum, Malik Spencer, Angelo Gross could be in the mix there. Um, I, you know, this is yeah, a Gross, Gross. I think Gross. I think at, at Nickelback, 
you know, yeah. I, I mentioned him, but I mean, he could float back and forth. We talk about the flexibility, you know, gross can go back to, to safety if they need him to, or he can play that nickel role. Like he, he kind of emerged a little bit last year and splitting it with Kimbro. Well, and, and so what's interesting about this position is that a year ago, Xavier Henderson might have been the most important player on the team. I don't know. I don't even know if there's a might. I mean, like when, yeah. when he played, they were good. Uh, well, I wasn't good. They were, they were better. They were, yeah. And they were, they looked like an orchestrated. Competent. They were, competent. they were, they were defensively competent. They were cohesive. They trusted right. each other. He, he was an orchestrator. He, I mean, and I, at the, here's another great what if, because I think Darius Snow has that kind of football mind as well. If the, both of those guys are healthy, how much different is that defense last oh, year? Yeah. No, no, I mean, doubt. they're cerebral no guys. No doubt. And I, and I, yeah, if, if those two guys, I mean, the way in, in, in hindsight, the way that first game unfolded with, with Peyton Thorne getting dinged up, with Jaden Reed not being 100% healthy. And then, and I can't, I think it was the next week though that he hit the, um, hit the bench with his back or whatever. Uh, I, it all bleeds together at this point. But the, uh, and then losing Snow and Henderson, like it could not have gone worse. And so, yeah. you know, like, there, it could not have had a worse start in terms of how it was going to affect the rest of the year. So the question is, you know, do you have the guy? Now they're not going to have Henderson from the jump. They'll know how to play uh, without him because they won't have him. And uh, I, I do think this is a group, though, that where they need consistency. They need guys to be, you know, it's your last line of defense. And as much as we talk about this defense taking a step, you gotta have, you got to be solid at safety if that's going to happen. I'd be I'd argue it's the first line of defense because they are the they're the guys, especially Mangum now in the back, who are going to who get to see the whole picture middle of the field right they're called they're making the calls and checks so it's your first line of defense and your last line of defense in many ways um but i think mangum's a guy he showed he flashed that ohio state game i thought he was playing well go leading up to that in the games that that kind of got him into that starting role when, when henderson was hurt and then he got hurt um and i, I think but i think he's a, again a cerebral guy he's long he's athletic um, he looks different than some of the, I don't want to say squattier squat. I mean, you know, I, I, compared to defensive backs, right. I mean, he's, he's more along the lines of, uh, some of those mid era to late era D'Antonio, uh, defensive backs that, that, uh, that, that at safety that, that were really good athletes, um, you know, like the Demetrius Cox uh era um the guy went to washington escaping my mind right now the went to the the redskins um but you know mangum is also a cerebral guy i think spencer's a hard hitter man i mean that there's probably nobody who generated as much of a buzz in the spring as malik spencer and and really down the stretch uh you saw him kind of blend in in that hybrid almost you know linebacker safety kind of mold like Darius Snow played a couple years ago. So again, a guy that can give you some versatility, but there's going to be competition there too. Uh, you know, they brought in Armorian Smith from Cincinnati. Uh, the freshman Sean Brown has a, a big buzz about him. Uh, so I, I think that's, but I think it's Mangum and Spencer uh, with potentially Gross and Smith being the, the twos right now uh, going into things. All right, special teams. And this is a position where there is uh, just 
a load of uncertainty. Um, and, you know, the special teams bit them a little bit last year. And again, I don't think this is a team that has the, uh, is going to have the, the, the ceiling or the, the room for error is the better way to put it to, uh, to deal with, uh, not converting field goals and not winning occasionally in, in, in special teams. With a hey, there wasn't room for error last year. There was no margin for error last year and they had error. Right. So you're looking probably at, at, at Jonathan Kim, hoping is the uh is the kicker. Um and the punter, uh perhaps Ryan Eckley. Um, and I think maybe just as important, Mr. Hank Pepper. Hank <laughs> at, Pepper. At, uh, at, There's your at, long snapper. His long snapper. And we we touched on the return game earlier. So they brought in, they brought in a Juco guy, Drew Wilson, yes. as the backup, in case you were wondering. Uh, uh, Michael Donovan was the backup last year. You wrote about it. He took so many transferred, I think, to Miami of Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough spot to be in, but he had a good landing spot. And uh, Mason Arnold they brought in from Ohio State um, and in the spring, and then he transferred out after spring practice uh because hank pepper has established that that he's the spicy one uh snapping the ball see what i did there pepper spicy it's getting late in the podcast when you start throwing yeah out there i think the most important player here though is is probably kim jonathan kim uh and i'd make a hard disagreement there particularly with losing bryce Berenger. Well, yeah, okay. How much worse could that team have been last year if Bryce Berenger isn't flipping the field? That that's that's a very that's a very good point. So, you know, maybe it's Eckley. Uh either way, new guys, there is I mean, of all the what's amazing is there's so much uncertainty on this team. And th- th- this is what I think makes this team have more of it than others that we've had uncertainty about is that you also have it to this degree in the kicking game. And so all the things you don't know if they're going to be good or bad. And I, I keep telling people there's as much reason for for hope as there is concern, right? And and so if you're looking for reasons for hope, just we don't know. We don't know that they're going to be not good because we haven't seen it. And a lot of this yeah. could come together, but there's a lot they need to come together. Um, and, and I mean, we, we talk game. about the, we talk about the kicking game. I mean, the coverage game in units as well. I mean, a lot of these transfers are going to be needed, and some of those younger guys that better athletes are going to be needed to to prevent big returns. So how good is Jonathan Kim's leg on kickoffs? Well, it doesn't matter if you don't have guys that can wrap up and tackle on uh, coming downhill. So there's a lot of components that you, even when we do these depth charts that, that August is really going to determine for some really important roles. hundred percent. All right. With that, we'll wrap our first uh, podcast back of uh, additional Spartan speak. We'll be back next week uh, at some point to sort of get into what we've learned um, and and to what degree in the, in the first uh, from the first week of camp. Um, you know, keep in mind we we do not see a ton, uh, but we'll, we'll we'll hear from guys and we'll you know Chris and I have been around long enough to sort of read the tea leaves on things as well, and um, we'll get into what we know as well. Maybe we'll even touch on uh, on some hoops at some point uh, here uh, after after Moneyball, which always shows us everything accurately. Um, there's never been a case of... Moneyball and spring practice are the best times of the year because <laughs> there's always hope for what's next, right? A- absolutely. Uh, you can read us at uh, at thefreep.com, at lsj.com, greenandwhite.com, and uh, we appreciate you listening. This has been a production of the Lansing State Journal. 
um, Detroit Free Press and USA Today, USA Today Network. Rate, uh, subscribe, tell your friends, throw fruit, whatever it is you want to. We'll talk to you next time.